We're back, everybody. Hey, back we're track. back. And we're going to hit you with some relationship advice. Actually, it may not be advice. It might just be us babbling about relationships. And hopefully you learn something. I saw a, a TikTok recently of, a, I guess it's like a fable kind of from Africa. And they were saying that, oh, no, it was a researcher. That's what it was. Let me get this story straight. <laughs> <laughs> it was an right. anthropologist in Africa. And he um, got a basket of fruit and he put it in a tree. And he was like, all right, now I want you guys to run over the tree. And whoever gets the basket of fruit first gets to keep it. And he said he he said one, two, three or whatever. And he turns around and all the kids have their arms around each other and they're walking to the basket. And he was like, what are you guys doing? I said, whoever gets there first gets the basket. And they said something about like, how can one of us be happy if we're not, if we're not all happy. And it was like the cutest thing ever, but it to me um, symbolized the message of community and how we're all connected, whether we, recognize it or pay attention to it or not and uh, that we we have to rely on each other and support each other to get through this this life yeah I agree and even when it comes to business and I'm gonna share something with um just like supply chain mm -hmm. so I have a yeah you know, some businesses in one city right and then in the neighboring city which is probably about two hours away um, or an hour away, and I have a I have a business there that actually depends on the one that is the the, the main the main big one an hour away. Um, and that smaller one didn't raise their minimum wage, didn't raise their insurance policy. It didn't everything was fine and dandy, but they had to face price uh, um, price increases because all the surrounding cities increased their pricing and expenses and whatnot, you know? So going back to that, that if one, you know, if, if you can't act like you're isolated, even if you're a city, because you depend on everybody else around you. So it really sucks because those surrounding cities, if they're messing up, it kind it, it affects you no matter what. It's a trickle down. Yes. Yeah, it's, not, it's not good. Um, and um, there was a new research study that came out that showed the single most influential factor in our lives that predicts our health later in life. So I think they were saying that they, uh, I don't want to mess it up. They, it was like midlife. They checked in with people and they, they got like stats from them. And then later in life, the one factor that made the most difference on the people's health was the quality of their relationships. Oh, mm -hmm. so quality of romantic relationships or quality of all the relationships, all their relationships. Oh, yep. if they if they had good, solid relationships and a good support network, then they lived longer and happier. I love them. Yeah, it, it wasn't diet. It wasn't exercise. It wasn't any of that stuff. It was relationship quality. Yeah, and it, it actually reminds me of why we want to talk about relationships today, because I have a friend where she's dating a guy, and the guy's great. He's funny, he's well off, he, um, you know, has a career, 
but he he's young, good looking, all that, right? And athletic, but he just shows up just a hairline less than enough. You know, just mm. she he barely makes enough to that he gives to the relationship. And she's always frustrated. And there's situations where she would plan something and know in the back of her head that she feels like, oh, is he going to show up? You know, and if he doesn't show up, he actually has a great excuse. It's because, you know, um, I don't know, maybe a kid's thing or maybe because a, um, uh, a work thing or, you know, a bunch of stuff, right? So he has a bunch of well-to-do excuses, but it doesn't feel good dating him. And and we all like him and we all like her, obviously. So it's kind of like when she when she tells us things, um, you know, I, I just I listen most of the time. I don't want to give her direction or advice or whatnot, um, unsolicited advice. And so she asked me what she should do the other day. And I was like, oh, I don't know. You know, like um, if she breaks up, if I tell her to break up and she breaks up and if she misses him and she resents me and then she won't share that with me. So it's kind of like that too. But also that I don't I don't know if he is in the position or ever will be in a position to change because his life is good. You know, mm, his, his, his yeah. life is fine. So there isn't a, and I really believe change happens when something's too good not to change or something hurts so bad that you have to change. And in his life, there isn't that. There isn't extremes. Everything is fine. You know, he has a nice yeah. house. He has, you know, his, his he, he is divorced, but his kids are fine. And he's happy and he has good energy around her when he sees her. But he's just undependable as a, as a boyfriend. Mm. Well, I firmly believe that we are only as needy as our unmet needs and if your needs are not being met in a relationship then it is your responsibility to communicate that and see if it can change and if it can't then you need to go how much time do you give let's say if you communicate that how much time do you give until you go oh that's okay. Like, it's interesting how people could tolerate it for years, or some people could tolerate it for days, and they're like, "No, I'm good." You know, they after they're like, oh, "I'm good. I'm never going to talk to that guy again." Versus, "Oh, we've been doing this for years." I think that speaks to the complexity of human beings. You know, for example, I have a client whose mother is in an abusive relationship, and she stays because they have a kid together. And she doesn't really work. So he is the financial provider. And, you know, in Florida, my advice would be, well, leave because he'd have to pay you alimony because you've been married for so long and blah, blah, blah. But in other states, the law is different. And in addition to that, he's so wealthy that he could pay for the best attorneys ever. And he has told her, that if she tries to leave, he's going to take her daughter from her. And, oh. you know, sometimes that does happen. I have another client whose ex-husband did take her son from her, and she's literally not seen him since he was a baby. Um, 
And, and although he makes way more money than her, she has to pay child support because he was able to hide his money better than she could. Oh, uh, so I've seen those kind of screwed up scenarios. And so and I think that sometimes people stay for situations like that. Um, I also know that we are attracted to what is familiar. So if you're used to being in a chaotic um dysfunctional relationship sometimes people's threshold for tolerating it is a lot longer than another person who maybe is not used to that kind of life and just couldn't tolerate it so there's a there's a lot of factors that go into when a person reaches their breaking point um and you know from a professional standpoint I say as soon as you realize what's going on and who the person is and the fact that they're probably not going to change, that's when you need to go. But obviously, it's a whole journey for people to wrap their head around. So everybody's timeline's different. And I think going to acceptance phase is harder than people think. You know what I mean? Because you have to truly just accept that he's not going to change or she's not going to change. Yeah. And say, is that worth it for you? Is it worth fighting for? Or, or, or because there's always, you know, people always think, oh, there's always that. What if, what if he changes and then he's a perfect person, but I'm with him for potential. He potentially has the potential to be perfect. What do you say about that? I mean, we should, Definitely not get with someone just because of their potential. Um, but you also never know what a person's going to do. But if you're expecting or asking someone to change, then you need to be looking for are things actually changing? Is there evidence that something has actually changed? And if there's no evidence, then after some time, it doesn't matter if the person's capable of being more or not, they aren't. And that's the bottom mm. line. Mm. So <clears throat> I know um, the other factor that we have to consider when it comes to toxic, abusive, unhealthy relationships, uh, whatever wording you want to use, is that the, the good times are often so good that we basically get addicted. And it's literally... We've proven it through studies that show our brain chemistry and all of that, that essentially we get to a place where we're addicted to those good times. And when the bad times come, they're awful, but they're always followed by another good time. Ah. So people... I, I, I do want to say that I'm probably... A proponent, not a proponent, but I've uh, I, I've been in that place for a long time. I've been in relationships where they're abusive or or just neglectful, mm. uh, because the handful of good times are so good that I'm like maybe that could just be forever. Maybe X, Y, and Z, but reality is like no. That person, yeah. yeah, that person would never do that for me. They're there's usually again going back to the complexity of humans there's usually reasons why it's difficult for that person to change and i 
I truly believe a lot of people say that, like, for example, narcissists know what they're doing. I think a lot of abuse and chaos and toxicity happens completely unconsciously. I I don't think that people are just sitting around plotting and planning how they're going to do things. I think psychopaths do that, but I don't think every abuser does that. And I think that's, and I think that that's part of the confusion for people because you get to know someone and you're really like, I don't know. I don't think they're a terrible person. You like see the good in them. And then it's hard for you to just accept that like all of this was purposeful and it was a manipulation tactic. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't believe that. Me either. I really think that people don't know. And a lot of the things they do is a trauma response. Yeah. It's, they were traumatized at some point in their lives. And that's how they react. Or they don't know what, healthy feels like to the point where healthy actually feels boring because they're so used to the loudness and craziness of you know craziness of a toxic relationship because you're loud and everybody's in your face it's fun right and has you had the highs and lows so there's never a boring moment but maybe a healthy relationship when it shows up in your life when you're usually exposed to a toxic environment looks boring to you. Oh, absolutely. That is absolutely true. And again, there's research on that. And we can, at least what I've noticed with people is that they basically reach their threshold, which it comes largely through talking about this stuff and like learning about it. And the more you know, and the more you notice things, the harder it is to just blow it off and justify it and all of that stuff. Because now you just, you know, too much. Ah. So, so people reach their threshold faster when they're really like learning this stuff and confronting it. And once they do, they can shift that in their life and yep. actually be happy and enjoy a, a more healthy relationship. But it, it takes um, some unlearning. And it's difficult. It's difficult. But what if, you know, let's say, like, okay, I'm really unhappy right now. I'm going to start seeking help or I'm going to start going to therapy. I'm going to start journaling myself. I'm going to start reading articles, listening to podcasts. Uh, You know, a a really good one is uh, therapy is dope. I've heard that one. That was pretty (laughs) (laughs) good. But you know what I mean? They, They start doing the research and they go, hey. This person unknowingly might be a narcissist, or at least it has parts of it that whatever, or or going to the quote of literally just hearing quote of going unmet needs. I become needy when my needs aren't unmet. It's so true because I normally in a relationship where I'm not needy, but in this relationship, I'm always begging for his time. And I even one word needy. Yeah, and even that one quote could change the person the way the person thinks about the relationship like then they'll have a red light of going oh wait there's a red flag here wait 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 why do I not feel good why am I why do I feel sad trying to hang out with my boyfriend right now you know why why do I feel bad begging for like minutes of his time why do I feel why do I question myself when I need to make a phone call to him why do I I mean then then that those whys circulate and bring you to a place where you go hey you know what this isn't enough for me anymore. Mm. Right. And I think silence and this is what Brene 
Brown always says. She goes, you know, silence is the worst thing happened because silence, um, you you add shame and silence in a petri dish and it triples. You know, that's why so I like our just, sensory deprivation tank. That so you just need to. Oh yeah, that's good. You need to talk about it, or you need to think about it, or it needs to come up. Sweeping under the rug only gets you so far. Then at some point, you can have a huge bump under a rug and be like, "What the hell is that?" And you can't walk through the room without tripping. So you're gonna have to uncover it. Yes. Hopefully, sooner rather it's, than later. I was talking to a client this morning. I don't know her that well. We haven't been working together that long. And she okay. said, "Ugh, I don't like the feelings. I don't all of them. I don't like them." <laughs> And I think that that's, I laughed because, you know, that's a very common response that I get from people. Uh, but our feelings are really important for us to pay attention to and tune into because if we listen to ourselves, we are much happier and freer. And so if we're feeling like our needs aren't being met and we're unhappy with that, then we need to do something about it. And it's pushing us to do something about it. And when we do something about it, we feel a lot better. I mean, I'm not going to say you don't go through like a grief process or anything, because of course you will, but in the end, people feel better. So yeah, we get in our own way of feeling better because we're afraid of the temporary discomfort. Yeah. So what did she, how did she, how did she go over that client specifically? How did she get over? Oh, I don't really like the feelings. I don't like any of it. You know what I mean? Like, uh. I can't say that she's over it. It's probably going to be an ongoing battle. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I remember this guy telling me once, I'm surprised humans haven't evolved past emotions. And I was like, what? <laughs> That's what makes the human experience. Yeah, that That's true. the whole deal. And what I told the client was, we have to have all the feelings because if we don't, there's no contrast. There's nothing to compare to. If we lived in utopia, we would be bored. Yeah. We wouldn't be grateful. We wouldn't be happy. We wouldn't be peaceful. I mean, maybe for a short time, but the way that humans operate is we need the dichotomy. We need to have misery along with joy those this yeah the sweet doesn't taste as sweet without the bitter exactly there it is yes that's what i'm saying yeah you don't need to feel sad all the time but but like you said pain right there's growth in pain yeah yeah and i do want to say another thing sorry that, that we talked about last week and it was and it was, and I actually told my boyfriend this because he was going through something. And I said, look at it like a movie. You know, the guy that decoded, he, he decoded human, humans. And he said, look at him like a movie uh, and don't, and don't put yourself in it. Then when you have control of your emotions, then, then you could live and, and you could let everything go. Right. And you don't have to take things personally. You won't get mad and et cetera, et cetera. And it's easier said than done. So I want to tell our listeners, like, have some grace for yourself because, Yes, things are going to happen, but if you know the concept of decoding, right, and you know the concept of saying, okay, if I see myself as a character right now in this movie, what is it saying? Just having that uh, dialogue will just shorten 
the feeling process, you know, the feeling of, oh, I feel really shitty or the shame spiral or whatever it is. Once you watch yourself and you get used to just watching yourself, it just happens faster and faster. Not saying that you'll you'll never have the feelings. Like you said, we're all human, so we're going to have those feelings. But now you have the tools to change those feelings so you don't feel so shitty all day. So you're not sitting there feeling sad all day. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've gained. I am still very human, unfortunately, and still react to my emotions. And I am not always in control of my emotions, but I can definitely notice that the the amount of time that something bothers me is not as long as it used to be. Yeah. And it's it's shaved down over time, you know. It's not like of course, and just... you do and you doing it every day. Think about it. You doing this as a profession, and it's still and you still get bogged down on things, right? Oh yeah, I'm still very human. I mean, I tell my clients all the time, like, please do not look at me as having <laughs> all the answers because I am still human, and certainly I still mess up. Absolutely. That's also yeah. part of being human is being imperfect. So welcome to the shit show. Yeah, I know. And I think about I, even our podcast, right? I think about that sometimes and I go, oh my God, I, I'm pretty sure I said something that's going to cancel me in like 20 years from now, right? And and I'm going to say more things that's going to cancel me in 20 years from now. Um, you know, and I am a shit show. So it's kind of like, we're going to make mistakes. But the thing is, what I'm proud of myself is I, I'm having more and more grace for myself and forgiveness for myself and say, hey, yes, Julie, you messed up. Yes, Julie, that that wasn't smart. But at least I could I could say that and go, yeah, that wasn't smart. But I still love you. But I understand. But I forgive you. And that's okay. You know, and, yes. and yeah. yesterday a client came in and she said, you're going to be disappointed in me. And I said, that's okay. I'll still love you. Aww. And that's how, that's how we need to talk to ourselves. Yeah, I might've disappointed myself, but I can still love myself. I love it. Yeah. I don't know. We just got way off the rails of the relationship thing. Was there something, <laughs> do we ever resolve? <laughs> no, nah, I think it really comes down to uh trauma response. I didn't realize as I was telling you that, and then you're giving me that advice or, or give me what you thought about it. It really was like, oh, it has nothing to do with the relationship. If you think about it, most problems in a relationship, if you watch yourself like a movie and you take and you get away from it and you don't have an ego and you, you know, you kind of remove yourself from it and you're watching yourself, that's the best way to say. And if you're watching yourself, you could treat yourself like a best friend or your daughter or your brother or your father whatever right you look at this loved one and you go oh i don't want him or her to go through this right and then you're finally looking at yourself as a character and you go you know what i wouldn't want her to go through this she doesn't need to be in this relationship mm. um and i think knowing then and having just having that mindfulness of that oh so powerful so powerful it really does start with thinking all change starts with thinking first of all hmm this could be a problem okay that's <laughs> step number one <laughs> is recognizing <laughs> that there's a problem hmm, and then from there so good. 
Yeah. And then from there, we think about it some more. We usually go back and forth with ourselves. Like, is it a problem? I don't know. I don't know if this is a problem. (laughs) And we do that for a little bit. And then when we finally decide, yes, I think this is a problem, then we move into um, gathering information. Okay. And, And we have to gather all this information, sort of like plot and plan what our next move is going to be. And that's, that's, we might, it's not linear. So we might bounce back and forth a little bit between like, eh, never mind. I don't think it's a problem. I'm going to let this go for now. Or like, ah, I'm so overwhelmed by all this information. Uh-huh. I can't do anything right now. Um, oh. <clears throat> but eventually those two things lead us into action. And the action part is very, very important. But uh, some say the hardest part is maintaining after the action part because <laughs> it's easy oh, yeah, to say absolutely. I'm done with you let's end our relationship but then I'm going to call you two days later and be like ah, I think I made a mistake <laughs> yeah absolutely 100% I remember my biggest heartbreak right that happened when I was 30 um when we broke up and I started telling people oh, yeah we broke up and they're like have you been you know have you yeah. been doing the dirty or did you call him or you guys text? and it wasn't we did a cl- like clean cut cold turkey breakup and we didn't reach out to each other for months 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 and everybody i talked to thought i was lying or <laughs> they're like w- I, I i i don't know i was so hurt and i was waiting for him to reach out and i think and now I am we're friends now. So he's I think he said the same thing. He was so hurt and he was waiting for me to reach out or like figuring out if there's a solution that actually got would would be better for us, you know? Um and until nobody reached out. But that ended up being the healthiest thing because I literally was forced to be alone. I was forced to be in my thoughts and forced to, you know, deprivation tank basically, right? <laughs> and be like God, you got nobody. Like, oh my God. So you, I just felt really, really sad, but it opened the doors of why am I feeling sad? Why am I, why isn't he coming back? Why is it? So I literally would go Google, why did he break up with me? You know, why isn't he coming back? Why is he? And that pops up a bunch of articles of self-help and things like that. And, and, and hearing other people talk about their heartbreak actually was very helpful. Oh yeah, my God, not a- I definitely that's going back to that whole community and relationships and connection that's a very integral piece of our healing and our health and our mental health it's all connected so I guess we would say if you're in a place where you're like that guy's not good enough but I'm not sure and I just want to wait around I would say go ahead and wait around if you feel fine just go ahead that's fine um but continue to reach out to your community. Continue to lock arms with your par- with your friends and get over, you know, try to get the fruit from the tree together. And yeah. then you could join join clubs and do things and whatever. And then the more that that community meets your needs, the m- maybe the more you realize this isn't good enough for me. Or the more it's going to wake him up and be like, oh my God, I'm going to lose her if I'm not spending time with her because all these other people are spending time with her. One thing I feel like I need to throw out there before we end is that one of the worst parts of toxic relationships is that it often leaves you really isolated to where you don't have a community. 
So if you don't have a community because people got sick of you talking about it or you don't want to hear what people have to say about it anymore um, or people refuse to talk to you because of it, you know, whatever the, the case might be, it's time to find a new community. You know, it's time to like go to church or join a exercise group or do something so that you're at least making some kind of connections, book club, uh, intramural sports, there's any number of things that you can do to foster the possibility of building new relationships. And, you know, it's, he's not, he or she probably isn't going to like it that you're starting to do stuff again. Uh, but that's going to be really important for you to begin to build yourself somewhat mm -hmm. of a community, even if it's like surface level relationships. Yeah. So, yeah. That's my lash feel. <laughs> I love it. No, I think it's very, it's really, you know, it's, it, it's so important. And I love that we started with that and we didn't even plan it. And we went right around and started at the top. <laughs> we got important. our groove back, baby. Yeah, it just took us a little bit. <laughs> a little break. <laughs> All right. Well, well, thanks for joining us, guys. Yes, we'll see you next time.